Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and dedicated to silencing the chatter about what women should and shouldn't be doing as they age. Here to bring you stories about women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, women who are leading inspiring lives that make a difference to themselves and others, are Catherine Marino and Gail Zalitsky. Hi, I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail. And today, we are departing from our usual format, and instead of bringing in a guest, we're going to tell you more about ourselves so you can get to know us better. I'll start with me. My undergraduate degree is in education with a minor in psychology. I truly expected that to be my career path. But as we know, life does not always follow the path we set for ourselves. Growing up, I always loved accompanying my father to visit his clients' ma and pa independent retail liquor stores. They had small, mostly attic offices filled with beer kegs. We would climb the stairs to the attic and sit on the kegs while the owner and my dad conducted their meeting. I found these visits to be fascinating. When it came time to go to college, it never occurred to me or to my parents to ask if I wanted to pursue business. I guess it didn't matter much because I married the first time at age 19. Can you imagine? I had my first child at 21 and became a stay-at-home mom. When my husband and I divorced 15 years later and he left me with no money and three children, one who was quite a handful, I found myself in a precarious situation. At that time, my father invited me into the business, offering me the flexibility I required to take care of my family. Five years later, I was president and COO, and may I add, married for a second time to a most wonderful man. Thanks, Gail. I was fortunate to find my, my career calling early on, kind of backed into it. I had three transformative experiences that I think helped to really establish my career. So I'll tell you a little bit about about those. Uh, Ever since I finished my undergraduate degree in anthropology in 1971, my entire career has been involved uh, working in innovative college programs that serve people traditionally shut out from higher education, racial and ethnic minorities, prisoners, veterans, people with disabilities, and people older than age 25. So this incredibly diverse population has become known as adult and non-traditional students. What's always stood out for me is that 75% of these students are women, and they're ranging in age from their late 20s to their 60s. My uh, first exposure to working with diverse individuals and groups was as an academic tutor at the HELP Center at the University of Minnesota that stands for Higher Education for Low-Income People. You know, where I grew up in the rural Midwest, diversity was whether you were Norwegian or Swedish (laughs) and whether you were from farm or town. So this was quite an impactful education that I received at the HELP Center, working with people of all ages, races, gender, nationality, social economic status. And then straight out of undergraduate school, I was fortunate to work with a startup experiment, a national experiment in higher education called University Without Walls, which I'll refer to as UWW. And our goal was to provide access to underserved learners. And we were serving underserved people and attempting to reform higher education. 
what were then radical changes, which might not seem so radical now, is that our, our program designs were student-centered, learning-centered. We had great reverence for learning from experience, for recognizing learning, regardless of where, where it occurred in time or place. And um, the curriculum was highly individualized. Uh, I became director of that program at the age of 24 with a bachelor's degree, so that clearly was not sufficient. And I then started and completed a master's program in social and philosophic foundations of education because I, I knew that I needed to better understand, you know, the traditions and the practices that I was so hell-bent on reforming. And after 10 years, I was by then well into my doctoral study. I got a, a Bush Leadership Fellowship for a year, and I chose to go to Memphis State University because at that time, there was a three-year national project called HILDA, Higher Learning for Diverse Adults, um, that was helping institutions do a better job of bringing in and serving adult and non-traditional learners. And that's what I did my dissertation on. So that was a major transformative experience for me and, and really helped fortify the course of my career. You can see that we had very different paths. <laughs> Business is a passion for me. As a franchiser of independent liquor stores, I worked with mainly immigrant business owners, men and often their wives, who came to this country to make a new life. They worked endlessly to build successful businesses that could support their families and send their children to college. It was here that I first understood the importance of leadership and saw the differences in the way these owners handled their employees and dealt with their customers. It also showed in the results. Their revenues ranged from as low as 250000 a year to well over $15 million. And putting it into today's context, $15 million is probably well over $100 million. So they were pretty successful. I started taking classes to gain expertise in growing a business, finance, marketing, leadership, and I served on the Illinois Retailer Merchants Association board for six years. When we sold our first business, which was Foremost Sales Promotions, Inc., franchisor of Foremost Liquor Stores, I started a second business, which was a marketing company. And that marketing company was the, among the first 500 e-merchants online. And so I became expert in digital operations, somewhat of an expert. From a worldwide delivery service of alcoholic gifts with one employee, we expanded that business into a pure dot-com with 28 employees. What happened to that business is a topic for another occasion. For my third business, I created a company now almost 20 years old that provides coaching and consulting exclusively for small business owners. Our goal is to promote leadership, culture, employee engagement, and operational excellence. I have a mantra. My mantra is think sales because nothing happens until the cash register rings. It was during this time that I became active in the National Association of Women Business Owners in Chicago and served as its president in 2011. I also joined other boards and began to mentor young entrepreneurs through programs like 1871, The Hatchery, and Ageless Innovators. 
Well, I want to do a, a, a bit of time travel again, as Gail has started to set the stage for her uh, involvement with uh, women in women's lives. I go back to 1983 when I began work with the School for New Learning at DePaul University. I came as associate dean and led the development of the first graduate program, which we modeled after the best of UWW and the undergraduate School for New Learning program with a few more innovative ideas. That was in 1983, as I said, and I stayed with School for New Learning in various faculty and administrative roles for 36 years. Of all the roles and responsibilities that I have sustained, really two loves. The first is mentoring adult learners because we have relationships that center on supporting their learning and growth, intellectual and personal. And the second love has been teaching some version of a course on women's issues every quarter for all 36 years. So, and, you know, as I mentioned, I grew up in rural Minnesota. I was, I was surrounded by strong women, farm women, leading lives that were rich in land and family and uh, quite poor in dollars. They were strong, resourceful, multi-talented. Of course, I admit now that I didn't appreciate women's strengths in, then in the way that I do now. But what I just described about my career is backdrop for my ongoing interest in women's lives and their learning and development. I, as I note, I started college in the fall of 1967. By the spring of 1968, major movements had burst on the scene. Civil rights, women's rights, anti-war. And I was involved in all of those, and particularly through the Help Center, UWW, and the School for New Learning, I found I was front and center in another movement a dynamic movement in higher education, and we were advocating for the rights of adult and non-traditional students who, as I said, had been shut out of higher education or expected to conform to education that was designed for much younger people. And again, 75% of the women were and continue to be, uh, the students continue to be women. And I've heard hundreds and hundreds of stories, life stories from women, each unique, yet with some common themes of being invisible or unappreciated in personal and professional contexts. And I also heard loud and clear that they were bright, caring, rich with experience, and had accomplished a great deal in the face of great odds. They were eager to learn and open to developing in powerful ways, actually to transforming their lives. So I taught courses on women's issues and I mentored women learners with Carla Klinger, whom you will meet in episode four, I did research on barriers to education of rural women, and more recently collaborated with Carla on researching lives of vital women in their 70s, and we've been following them into their 80s. So, Gail, say more about your involvement and engagement with women. As I told you before, I've been coaching small business owners for almost 20 years, after running and owning two multi-million dollar businesses, it seemed that consulting was the area for me, and it also fit into my love for education and lifelong learning. Today, my practice, coaching practice, is 90% women. Having experienced life's ups and downs myself, I dearly want to help women help themselves. I'm all about creativity and perspective, a tiny shift in mindset can make the difference between facing a roadblock or opening up an opportunity.
I want women to stand in their power. They work so hard and they care so much. They have to be successful and I want to make sure they are. In 2015, I earned the Master of Arts in Applied Professional Studies at DePaul School of New Learning. The premise of my work there was to teach business owners how to use creative problem solving as a foundational block for growth and long-term sustainability. After that, I started Wonder Women Mastermind to use this premise and to guide women to be stronger. It's a year-long program that meets monthly and is comprised of women who have owned their own business for 10 years or more and have at least a few employees. These women are mentors and support each other in their continued journey to be successful business women. So the real question I'm sure you're wondering is, how did all of this lead to our vision for women over 70 aging reimagined? Well, I, first of all, I want to acknowledge that I am involved in this endeavor because of you, Gail. <laughs> Thank that, you, Catherine. <laughs> uh, that you uh, invited me to become part of, you know, to work with you in creating this, this podcast, and it's a wonderful opportunity for me. So I want to publicly thank you for that. It's a wonderful opportunity for me too. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, uh, as you've, pro I'm sure, heard that by now, I, there's a pattern or a theme to my work across the years, and that is mentoring, being in relationship with women and their learning and transformative journey, journey experiences. So I, this podcast is an opportunity for me to continue to work on that and to, to bring aging, the perspective of aging, to uh, my long-term interest in learning and development and growth and transformation. So I'm just to note that I am in my own transition phase. I am 70 years old as of April 2019, and uh, with just barely two months ago, retired from my full-time faculty position at DePaul University. But I already can say that I'm delighting in being able to focus on my passion projects, this podcast being, being one of them, the major one. And I have a, a couple of other passion projects in the works that I can say more about if there's time for that. <laughs> and and uh, I, I should add that the way that Catherine and I met is through my work at DePaul as a master's student. Uh, Catherine was actually my faculty mentor. And lucky for me that that was the case because uh, it she really influenced my life. And after that, we became friends. And here we are. And Gail is one of those remarkable women learners that I've been referring to. <laughs> so let, let me give you a little of my personal point of view about this. As we women age, and I am the adult in this twosome, I'm 77, so I speak from experience, life changes. What used to work doesn't. Body parts get altered, we become forgetful. And, and we continue to have desires and goals. The work we did earlier in our life benefits now from everything we learned along the way, yet we are often seen as invisible and no longer pursued. We may have children to care for and or parents who need our help. If we are lucky, there are grandchildren in our lives. Friends become even dearer as we lose them one by one. It only reminds us that life is not forever. 
as you listen to the other episodes of our podcast, you will note that many of the women, especially in the, the early podcasts, are friends of us, of one of us. And that is because we are blessed to know women who are leading inspiring, fulfilling, contributing lives in their 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we, um, and the other exciting part of that is that now these same women are referring us to other women and those women to other women. So we, will, we believe we'll have an endless stream of fascinating women to talk with over time. We will. It was 2018 when we realized we shared a common interest in women's issues, and we began to talk about developing this podcast together, one that would address aging but come from the vantage point of women who are role models for elder lives that work, as Catherine just described. We would not eliminate, however, or cover over the difficulties we encounter, some of which include health, emotional, physical, and sexual finance, retirement income or lack of it, and ego, continuing to make a difference and be recognized. So as we continued to talk, we became excited uh, at the prospect of interviewing women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, which we soon realized have been a neglected or overlooked population. So the, you know, the hardest segment to find women in, to interview has been women in their 90s, one woman didn't want to reveal her age because she's still actively working in real estate. <laughs> um, and we knew that we did not want to have an ordinary show. Each episode has to interest our listeners in some significant way. A main goal is to have listeners from age 40 and up. We dearly hope to create an intergenerational community so younger will learn from older, and older will find delight in learning new things. We've started a Facebook group, which we hope you'll visit, Women Over 70, so our listeners can invite their friends and all can share knowledge and learning. So thank you for listening. We hope you will reimagine aging with us every Wednesday. Our podcast is not only for women who are over 70, as Gail just noted, Rather, we are a community of women of all ages who share provocative perspectives on many different aspects of aging. We can better hear our own stories when we listen to and learn from other women. So let us hear from you. Start with your community, share with your community, and tune in next week for another episode of Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Thank you for listening to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. In what ways are you shattering the myth that women over 70 are no longer relevant or visible? How are you celebrating aging? Join with us. Make your voice heard. Find us at womenover70.com.